finest science, art, geography, and history, all contained within a bottle. Make the Culinary Stone your go-to for wine shopping, and we'll show you why it transports and transcends. Visit culinarystone.com for more information. Good times and great wines are meant to be shared. Since 2006, Elsom Cellars has been producing 100% local Washington wine from Washington's top vineyards. Visit elsomcellars.com for more information or simply call 425-298-3082. I'm a science nerd. I love science and all those things. The most addicting part about tasting wine for me is sensory memory. And there's times I put my nose in a glass or my or I taste the wine and my brain brings up something I haven't thought of in 20 years. I tasted like an older Volnay. Wasn't like a crazy producer. It wasn't something that's going to cost you $500 or anything. But I stuck my nose in it and immediately thought of a couch in my great-grandmother's house from when I was six years old. And I literally could picture the couch in the room, the tables in the room, everything that was in that room from the smell of that wine. And I haven't been in that house since I was probably six or seven years old. And there's no pictures of that house, the inside of that house that I've seen in a long time that 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 would make my brain think that. But I immediately was just my everything I could picture in that room. And uh, that's the most addicting part about wine is I'm always trying to hunt the next sensory memory um, that comes yeah. to mind when I taste wine. It's been a long week, right? Are you ready to wind down? Why not? It's time for the Wine Time Fridays podcast with Shelly and Phil. Neither are sommeliers, but both have a deep passion for life, each other, and of course, delicious wine. And now, here to talk about this week over a glass of wine is Shelly and Phil. It's wine time. Hello again, and welcome to another episode of Wine Time Fridays with Shelly and Phil, and I'm still trying to talk without coughing. So far, so good. It is Friday, September 24th. Shelly, happy Friday. Happy Friday. It is wine time. You know, our reception wine is usually a little different than what we're tasting through, but tonight, today, whenever you're listening to this, we have a guest that we've been talking about for seemingly two and a half, three months. Yeah. Almost Maybe. all of our guests we seemingly talk about for that long. This is a guest we've never actually met in person. Nope. In fact, Shelly only met this guest a few minutes ago on Zoom. We would like but to- we see him a lot. We do see him a lot, and we'll explain why. But we have Sam Doyle of Wine Library. Sam, welcome to our humble little Wine Time Fridays podcast. Thanks for having me. You bet. Glad to be here. I mean, the only reason we haven't met is because we're across the country from each other. We are across the country. <laughs> so a little far away. Shelly's right. We see Sam once a month. Mm-hmm. <laughs> actually, more than that, because that. we'll actually pull the video up when we pull a wine up from the Gary Vee Wine Club. And if we're going to have that wine, we watch them taste through it and taste through with them. Mm-hmm. So Gary used to go fly solo, right? When he did these videos and then he brought in Brandon and Brandon wasn't cutting the cake. So he brought in <laughs> Sam full beard and everything. And Sam seems to be sticking. So we're like, screw Gary, we're bringing Sam on. And we've got three wines. 
to taste through. Okay. <clears throat> the first one, Sam, thank you, because we need to toast this up so we can start drinking it. And then we want to find out a little bit more about you and sure. some of the digital properties of wine library. So two, health, wealth, and abundance, gratitude, romance, Peace on and your giggles. Mm-hmm. You. Cheers. Cheers. So good. You know, I asked Sam to pick out three wines and I really, in my heart knew he was going to go a Riesling. And I knew he was going to go a Riesling because I know having watched these videos, he loves Riesling. I do. So talk to us a little bit about this 2019 uh, it's a cabinet Riesling from Germany. So this is made by uh, Donhoff. I mean, if you're going to name the five most important producers in all of Germany, um, I think Donhoff has to be in that conversation. And major wine collectors of German wines um, will tell you, some of them will even tell you, he, you know, they may be the best producer of Riesling in all of Germany. Really specific. The one thing about German wines that I love is that they're very similar to Burgundy's, not in flavor and structure, but the way that they make them and the way that they they purposely want to express exactly where the wine comes from. I mean, this is not just Donhoff Cabinet Riesling, right? I mean, it's really hard to read off the back, but this is a Kreuznacher Karnoff, uh, you know, Cabinet Riesling. This comes from one small little plot in the cabinet level. Um, they also make the Trocken, the Biernach Lese, and the other levels of sweetness as well as well in this in this, you know, with the same exact grapes, which is pretty incredible. Um, 2019 was a good year. This is a very fresh style. This is one of their wines that are meant to be consumed young. Um, but if you buy some of their gold capsule wines in that 25 and up range, um, those wines are built to last a long time. Um, I have so much Don Hoff in my collection. Um, and he's one of my favorite producers and a wine at this price point, I think really over delivers in the quality of cabinet Rieslings. Yeah, we have oh, this, this listed. Delicious. Yeah, at 30 bucks, Wine Library has this at 23. Yep. This has on the taste, it tastes a little sweet. Is yep. there any residual sugar on this? A hundred percent there's residual sugar on here. Cabinet Riesling, you know, in the in the levels of sweetness, you have trocking, which is basically up to two grams of sugar, is the driest style that they make. Um, some of them being zero grams of residual sugar, but cabinet is just one level up. What I love about cabinet before you get to that Spatlese sweetness, that Biernach Lese or Auslese and a Biernach Lese um, is that it's still super approachable. Someone who drinks dry wine will taste this and be like, oh, it's a little sweet, but it's not going to be like, I can't drink this sweet. Um, and that comes from two things, right? It's just a little bit of sweetness that they, that they leave the residual sugar in there, but the acid level in Riesling is so high that your mouth just keeps water, watering and it's super crisp and it's super light. And I think that's why it's a good bridge between someone who doesn't like sweet wine and someone who does like sweet wine. Um, I mean, like I said, Don Hop's a different animal than other producers in this price point. I mean, this is a wine um, that is so much better than some of the other producers in this price point. It's it's pretty unbelievable. Shelly, what are you getting from this? I get pears. Pears. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. Like really ripe pears, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've been having a lot of pears lately, so that <laughs> maybe that's it. The whole house smells like pears. Thank you. <laughs> um, so you said they make other other rieslings with the same grapes, or are the they level, just in different spots? So the level of sweetness. So 
the level of sweetnesses in Riesling in Germany, there's different categories. And the different categories yeah. tells you not only how sweet it's going to be, but basically it's telling you when they harvest the grapes. So if you have this exact label with this exact wording, but instead of cabinet, it says Spatlese, it means they waited a little bit longer, let them hang on the vines a little bit longer, let the residual sugars concentrate, and then the wine becomes sweeter. Now, Trockenbeard Auslese, which is really one of the sweeter ones, is their dessert wine. You can find a Trockenbeard Auslese, this exact vineyard, this exact plot, but the grapes are picked in December when they're frozen. So then you're talking about the sweetest style of dessert wine within this exact plot of grapes within that exact vineyard. So the plot is just harvested at different times and that's what creates the different sweetness. And um, those would be called ice wines. Yes. Ice if they're yeah. actually picked frozen. Yeah. Yeah. When they're, when they're picked that late, they're definitely picked frozen. It's not like ice wine in what I think of North American ice wine, where you're talking about a place that's cold all year round. Um, you know, a place that doesn't break below 75, those kind of places. In Germany, it still gets warm. Like last time I was in the Mosul, it was 80 degrees out. But in December, it's no different from being in Colorado than it is in the Mosul. <laughs> and so the difference between that and a, and a late harvest right. is not frozen. <laughs> well, they, they wait for the first freeze, I think, right. and yep. then pick that next day or something yep. to yep. that effect. I, I mean, it, it, it is a late harvest technically, but it doesn't qualify in the American words of, of late harvest. It's just their, their own way of doing it. Um, you can also find cabinet wines that are completely dry too. It just means that it was a very cold year. So that just means when they picked it later, it still didn't have the residual sugar to, to hold up. But the general consensus, you see spot lays a cabinet. It tells you there's some sugar in there for sure. Interesting. What's the highest amount of sugar they'll have before they are, a sweet uh, late harvest. Well, uh, well Spotlaze is the last style of what you would consider general considering a dry wine. Um, Auslaze is literally ice wine and anything after that. So Auslaze, Biernachlaze, Trockenbiernachlaze. Um, there's so many more that are all just later and later and later in the year as the grapes are shriveling up more. That's, that's how they're going to categorize it. What would you pair with this wine, Sam? So, I mean, the acid level is so, so high on this wine. You can actually be pretty versatile with it. Um, I'm going to blow people's minds, but you can go as delicate as shellfish because the acid level is so high. But if you have something like Wagyu beef that is super, super fatty, wines like this work for that as well. Oh, cool. uh, same thing with Chenin Blanc um, and Champagne. Those three things, the acid levels are so high that they will go well. I would say this is more of a table style of Donhoff. When we're going to talk about Rieslings going with steaks, that would probably go with something a little bit better. Um, but this would hold up. That fat needs the acid, and the Riesling and, and Riesling, Shannon, and Champagne have some of the highest acid in wine in the world, and it allows that. Um, but if you're going to put me on the spot, sushi and Riesling is my favorite thing. <laughs> One of my favorite things. <laughs> Other than fried chicken and Champagne, I mean, Riesling and sushi is delicious, so can't really go wrong. Is it somewhat unusual to have a wine that's got a little residual sugar on it like this does in such a high acid level? Uh, it's just the grape. Okay. I think I think it's kind of not normal. People don't think of it that aren't into wine because people think of sweet wine and the usual, you know, criminals of sweet wine grapes are low acid grapes. Moscato, Muscat, you know, um, some Sauvignon Blancs can be lower acid. It's just, it's just 
Riesling naturally has extremely high acid, which is why even at the Trakin Birnas Lace level, where you would think all that sugar would, would have weight, the acid keeps it crisp and light. Um, it's, it's why, even though it's a dessert wine, it's another place where you can pair things like pork chops and, mm-hmm. and weird stuff with Chalk and Birnas Lazy because that's what they're, that's just the acid level allows it. Hmm. Is Riesling still the most popular wine? I know it was you a mean, while ago. I don't know. I think, I think Riesling by the numbers gets a little bit exploited by the fact there's, there's, a lot of just really bad, sweet, mass-produced okay. $6 Riesling in the world that a lot of people kind of get to. Um, it's so funny how many people you say, oh, I'm looking for a dry white wine for this situation. You bring them to a Riesling, and it could be a zero residual sugar Riesling, and they won't buy it because they think it's going to be sweet. Exactly. And that mentality is what brings up those numbers in Riesling because there is relaxed Riesling and all these really low-level Rieslings that are just made to be sweet to make people that like sweet wine happy. <laughs> I'll never knock someone for for liking what they like, but I would not be in that world. <laughs> well, it's, so I'm not going to put words in your mouth, Shelley, but I have read more times than not people that are in the wine industry and those that are sommeliers and and mm-hmm. wine buyers and and winemakers and own they have a love of riesling sure. above any other. Yep. And I'm like I said, I'm not sure where your question came from. But I, I have heard that hundred percent. there is like no question that yeah. is their number one. In, in, uh, the, in the New York City area, there's a month of the year where all the Psalms and all the restaurants, the major restaurants in New York where the best Psalms are, um, they have a, a whole time period where they focus on Rieslings. They'll put that just extra happened, didn't by it? the glass. What's that? That it's just happened in the summer. Yep. It's usually yeah, because I saw a video of someone that mm-hmm. wasn't going to that tasting. Oh yeah. All Rieslings. Yeah. yeah. And then, I mean, you'll go to, let's say you go to a really, really nice restaurant, like one of the best restaurants in New York, they'll have their normal wine list of things, but you know, on the back end, that cool sommelier, you'll have five Rieslings by the glass. One will be 20 years old and they'll have these cool nerdy things out there. Um, and it's just a way for us to give an ode to, you know, Riesling is very balanced and, and sommeliers love balanced wines. The only place in the world where I find that sommeliers like big, huge, massive wines is when I go to California. I was going to say That's California. because they're there. But, you know, the appreciation for balanced wine, like Riesling, Chenin Blanc, and, and very, it, it does kind of lean towards European styles, um, is the reason why sommeliers kind of get behind it so easily. And they well, age extremely easy. You can take a $30 bottle of wine and age it for 25 years and it'll be good. Wow. There's not too many grapes in the world that'll allow you to do that. You will get a discolor on that after that time, right? You'll get a little bit of discolor, but it's not a bad discoloring, right? No, it's just, no. Right, right. But but it's just the, the acid levels allows for it. You know, right. it's just there's so many wines from Germany that are that $25 to $50 price point that I've seen on wine lists from the seventies and the sixties and I've tasted them and they're stunningly good. And you think about it and you're like, man, like people pay a lot of money to age wine, but there's just so much wine out there that doesn't need that. And some way is kind of ring into that Riesling world. It looks cool to break out a 1965 German Riesling and not have to break the bank to do it. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. 
Wine gathers its taste from everything it encounters. The earth, the air, everything leaves a mark and so do people. If we are sipping great wine with strangers, before long we find out just how much we all have in common. Quality grapes and great wines are meant to be shared and so are good times with new friends. At Elsom Cellars, we have been producing 100% local Washington wine from Washington's top vineyards since 2006. Owner Jody Elsom is a pioneer in the Seattle urban winery movement and has been producing brilliant Washington wines in the city while exploring the complexities found only in vineyards east of the Cascades. Not only do we have the wine and our popular Corks on the Loose Wine Club, we also have the venue, a quick five-minute drive south of downtown Seattle or a simple 10-minute walk from the Soto Link Light Rail Station. And we think we throw a pretty good party, too. Check out our upcoming events by visiting elsomcellars.com. Follow us on social for the latest on everything happening at the winery or simply call 425-298-3082. So my guess, and tell me if I'm wrong, we're probably going to go to the Rococo. Yeah, we can do that. Next. Is that right? Okay, so while I'm opening this up, can you let us know a little bit of your background in the wine world? So uh, originally, I'm I'm just a backwoods kid. I grew up uh, basically, you know, not a lot of stuff where I grew up, farm town. A couple bars when you were in your younger years, um, but nothing like really fancy, nothing too crazy. Um, work construction until I was 22. Um, in 2008, when the when the economy crashed, uh, there was a situation where I was 22 years old, and there was people that had children and and things that were working for my company. I was working for my cousin at the time, building decks. And he had to lay people off. And I chose the decision to walk in the office and be like, hey, I'll be honest with you. I'm out with my friends every night. I don't want to be here at seven in the morning all the time. I'm just not in that world right now. And uh, I told him, lay me off. I just told him, I was like, I'll figure it out. It's not worth this guy with kids and all those things to to not have a job just because I'm family. So I, I actually asked him to lay me off, spent some time off and, uh, there was an end. I, I always liked cooking, but I wasn't really good at it. And I always like wanted to. And uh, there was a opportunity in a restaurant in New Jersey that hadn't opened up and they were just looking for any staff. I went in, interviewed, and the guy there was John Ross, the GM. And he sat me down and he goes, here's the deal. You're going to be a 23 year old, six foot two, 250 pound back waiter. You're going to be a bus boy you've never worked in a restaurant before. And, and if you listen to me, I will make you into something that makes a decent living and you'll be happy. And we'll go from there. Um, in six months, I became the head captain of the restaurant. John Ron Ross was obviously focused on wine. So uh, it was very, I, I hated wine at that point, but him sitting me down and putting wine in front of me, finding things that I liked and then expanding from there um, really got me on, on, on the boat. It was making good money. Chef Scott Anderson from Elements in Princeton, New Jersey, probably the best restaurant in New Jersey's wife's birthday, comes in for dinner, sits down. Uh, she said it's the best service she's ever had, recruits me to go work in the best restaurant in New Jersey. So I went down there, started as a busboy again, reset my entire two years that I did to work for him. Uh, and about seven or eight months working into there, John Ross calls me again. He goes, hey, 
I'm in New York City. I'm focusing on wine. Laura Manek, my mentor, one of my mentors, is opening Cork Buzz Wine Studio in uh, Union Square. Youngest female to ever pass the Master Sommelier exam. Nice. And she just needs servers. She needs people that are committed to good service. And I went in there. That have a foundational knowledge now of wine. Of course. So I went in there and one of the, and I'm interviewing next to a certified sommelier for a server position. Uh, Hillary Zio, who's one of my best friends still. And she asked the question, Hey, we're opening up a primary cuisine Chablis. What do you pair with it? And I looked at her, I go, I have no clue. <laughs> I literally had no answer, but I go, I don't even know. And Hillary next to me is telling her all these things, shellfish, fried this, whatever, blah, blah. blah. And it didn't matter. John Ross called her and was like, here's the deal. Like, you won't have anyone do service better than Sam in that restaurant. You might have sommeliers flying all over that place. But when it comes down to making sure that forks are correctly, the staff is doing it, there won't be anyone better there. So she actually hired me anyway. Wow. So I worked there. I commuted from my hometown an hour and a half each way into Manhattan for three years. Um, And in that time, I I became a sommelier. Came out of New Jersey, yeah, out back into New Jersey, opened a restaurant in New Jersey called Jockey Hollow Bar and Kitchen. Worked there. And then finally, Gary was like, I need a wine buyer. I need a wine consultant at Wine Library. I've actually known Gary for a very, very long time. I don't know if you guys knew that. Through, but, through AJ, yeah? Yeah, through AJ. Yeah. And um, he was like, I need people. And we need people quick. And he called me. And I was kind of like in this weird transitioning period with the restaurant. And the opportunity to go back to a normal day job at the age I was at, at 28, 29, when my friends are getting married and doing all the normal things. Um, it was kind of a no brainer for me. Yeah. I mean, normal things. Yeah. I mean, I think of it that way, but like I was the guy that worked every shift. I worked Friday nights, Saturday nights, Sunday mornings and didn't have a care in the world. But at a certain point when you miss like two of your good friends weddings, because you couldn't get off that weekend, you can't, go to Sunday brunch with your friends, you know, cause they're in the, in the area cause you have to go to work. It kind of like came down on me a little bit. Um, and this kind of brought that back and I was able to, you know, wrap around to somewhat of a normal schedule, um, and somewhat of a normal life. And then working for Gary and wine library, one of the biggest retailers in the country, um, after two or three years of just really busting, busting my butt for him, I'm now the wine director of the company, which is pretty awesome. Nice. Yay. You know, <clears throat> so, <laughs> That's a great segue. Uh, about 2000, what, six? Or is something around there, seven? Shelly comes to me, says, you need to watch this guy's video. And I watched- <laughs> it was 2008. 2008. A couple of, I can't remember what happened this morning. <clears throat> a couple of uh, videos in, I'm like, I don't know. The wine really video? obnoxious. <laughs> the wine videos. Yes, the, you know, one of the, the first 1000, right? Yep, yep. And then- you know, you watch a few more and you get past that. Still obnoxious, but that's who he is. And the the information is really good. Sure. I love that he would actually pan some of the wines that you sold in the store. Of course. So then you look at his story, turning Wine Library into a, a $3.5 million um, revenue store. It was Wine Library before. No. Um, well, it was, still was Wine Library. They changed it from one discount liquor to Wine Library, right, right. which is a no-brainer, yeah. to a $65 million yep. after X amount of years, five or six years, just by doing, you know, pay-per-click and AdWords. Yep. Um, and then, of course, social media came around. And uh, we recently, on one of our 
own social media inner circles talked about the the, the test he did in terms of the billboard new yep. Jer- new jersey turnpike right yep. the newspaper ad and then yep. the twitter and all with the free shipping code yep and how twitter blew center, it away the centerfold on wine spectator was pretty big that's that was the one that got the wine fans on board is that right I think I think there was a point that was very expensive. In fact, he knows the most expensive part. He's like, Dad, we have to do this. Sasha's like, it's a waste of money. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been at that at that point I was young. I've known AJ since I was 12, 13. So we were pretty young, and it was funny seeing his billboard. We used to drive up there for fun and joke around that Gary's on a billboard. And um, (laughs) but but yeah, face on the billboard. I didn't know that. It was his face with the yeah, it was literally him. (laughs) So uh, because while it was it was more of a wine library TV billboard than it was wine library, because he knew if he oh, could get people, YouTube was so new. YouTube was so new that people were willing to like just whatever it took to just see go online and just see stuff. And he knew that, and that's what it, the, the dragging people into the wine library happened through the channel. In the end, you know, um, there's a there's a guy in Philadelphia that has a billboard that says like. It's like Steven something sucks at youtube.com and you go there and it's a jewelry store. You know what I mean? Like, but guess what? The reason why I know about it, that it's a jewelry store isn't from that billboard. It's because it says Steven, whatever sucks. Right. And then I went to the YouTube channel and the guy's just, you know, he's a jewelry guy, you know, uh, it's so funny how those things work. Marketing one-on-one, right? So this has been another edition of social media meets wine, <laughs> but sure. it's very true. Right. And yeah. so, um, that's where we got, uh, you know, to learn about Gary. And of course, then he said bye to wine library, still obviously involved in certain capacities, got the Gary V wine club, but started Vayner media and all of those properties just blown up. Yep. But this is also another good segue because mm-hmm. the different properties that wine library has. Yep. I mean, I've got them listed in front of me. They're phenomenal, right? Sure. And so one of the things um, we should probably talk about this cab franc real quick, and then we'll yeah. talk about some of it. Sitting here on the I know, right? Okay, so here we go. I've been tasting it. It's actually one of my favorite just styles of wine because there's so much complexity in this wine for the price. It's unbelievable. So this is a Bruno Dubois, Rococo, uh, Summer Champagne uh, from the Loire Valley. Uh, we think about 100% Cabernet Franc. Um, in two different places in my eyes that are leading, or three different places we can really talk about, uh, California, Bordeaux, and, and the Loire Valley. And in my eyes, for the style that I enjoy, I think Loire Valley makes the best Cabernet Franc in the world in its purest, purest form. Not even Chinon. She, well, Chinon's in the Loire Valley. Oh, there you go. Much more backboned, more structured style. This is the freshest style Cabernet Franc you'll, you'll ever taste. Um, and it's just in your face, lots of rose petals, lots of that green kind of uh, garden, bell pepper, all that kind of like just freshness in your face. Um, it's not hidden by oak. It's not hidden by any kind of outside influence, um, which is why I love some more Champagne uh, for just the purity that they force into their wines. They don't let anyone do anything a little bit crazy outside of, um, you know, oaking and things like that. Toasted up. So, Shelly, are you getting any of what he just described? I haven't tasted it yet. 
<laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, the nose, again, not to go too much with Gary, but he would say this is sheep butt on the nose. <laughs> yep. I am getting barnyard. Big oh, time. yeah. The weird thing about this is it reminds me of frogs. <laughs> hey. <laughs> you want to expand on that a little bit? So <laughs> when I was little, one of my hobbies. Littler than what you are right now. When I was little, I was really little. I could crawl into the gutter through the ditch yep. and, and I would go collect pollywogs. Yeah. This is what this smells like. And it might be the so green, slimy stuff. Yeah. I don't know. Can yeah. you relate to any of that story, Sam? The, yeah, the so like I, for the grapes. The, I'm a science nerd. I love science and all those things. The most addicting part about tasting wine for me is sensory memory. And there's times I put my nose in a glass or my or I taste the wine and my brain brings up something I haven't thought of in 20 years. Um, I just talk, yeah. talked about um, I tasted like an older Volnay about it's got to be almost a couple years ago wasn't like a crazy producer. It wasn't something that's going to cost you $500 or anything, but I stuck my nose in it and immediately thought of a couch in my great grandmother's house from when I was six years old. And I literally could picture the couch in the room, the tables in the room, everything that was in that room from the smell of that wine. And I haven't been in that house since I was probably six or seven years old. And there's no pictures of that house, the inside of that house that I've seen in a long time that, that, that would make my brain think that, but I immediately was just my, everything I could picture in that room. And uh, that's the most addicting part about wine is I'm always trying to hunt the next sensory memory um, that comes yeah. to mind when I taste wine. It's a real strong sense for memory. Smell. It seems like, like smell is even, yeah. Smell will always be more than taste, but like they both have an ability to do that. So, and of course um, sound you hear a song or something like that but the smell aspect can conjure up from like you said years and years ago yeah the so, rain is very interesting catch frogs anymore i know right <laughs> cabernet franc is is as i've told you in in our correspondence <clears throat> it is my favorite varietal um, I don't even, I, I don't even know why I, it is it's just every Chinon I've had, every Cab Franc I've had, I love. We have a local, not local, local, but Idaho, <clears throat> Clearwater Canyon makes a nice Cabernet Franc. Mm -hmm. That's really good. They make a nice Carmenere too. Uh, but, you know, this is, this is fantastic. I smelled it when you were talking about the fruit forward and the, the, yep. The rose petals, I wasn't getting any of that in the nose. So I'm like, oh, my God, we have a bad bottle. Or else a bad nose. <laughs> <laughs> That's also true. <clears throat> Sam, well, it, wasn't that, well, it really wasn't that funny. <laughs> Just saying. What do you get then? I mean, everyone tastes and, and smells things differently. You know, I, I'll sit down and, you know, with my family and they'll be like, what do you smell? And I'll say a hundred things and they'll all look at me and be like, well, I smell wine. <laughs> you know so it's like exactly right doesn't really you know those grapes. things don't matter but you hardly ever smell grapes yeah, yeah. so we're we're still working through our actual taste the smell has been pretty decent mm -hmm. my taste with food doesn't seem to be altered it's just wine tastes differently yep um as we mentioned last week wine is tasting strong especially white wine 
and very Serbian viscous. Yeah. Um, this Riesling, it's okay mm-hmm. uh, because it's Riesling and it's kind of supposed to be that way a little bit. But the Cap Franc is quite delicious. Yeah. Um, like I said, I was getting a little barnyard on the nose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I definitely get that on the nose for sure. Yep. Barnyard, frog swamp. Same thing. <laughs> yep. So same thing. Same yeah. thing. Yeah, right. Exactly. You were going to talk about the wine library assets. You yeah. Said so, that, but you didn't mention any. So, wine library, so the over, the over arching. arching everything, right? Winelibrary.com. Some of the other things that you have are the Gary V. Wine Club, which Shelly and I have talked. I would say close to at length on this podcast, so it shouldn't be a surprise. Yep. <laughs> There's also Wine Text, Cellar Text, and Cinderella Wine. I will say Wine Text is a fantastic asset, um, usually twice a day because the first one sells out. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually have written down on your notes right here. Um, this month, September, here are some of the values that have been on wine text. A $58 Syrah for under 25 bucks. Mm-hmm. A $62 now it's Napa Merlot. It's actually not Napa, it was Sonoma. Yes, yeah, Sonoma. It was Sonoma. I, I don't know why I didn't change that. It was a Sonoma Merlot for less than 25 bucks and a $48 Malbec for under 20 bucks. <clears throat> a week ago today was a $46 Pinot Noir for less than 20 bucks. Yep. I mean, you know, it's amazing. And then they follow that up if that sells out with something um, in an email. Yep. And then they have a, from time to time, a last chance sale. And here I am in the ICU. <laughs> and I see this come across. And I'm like, I see five wines that I want to bring in. And I'm thinking I can do that because it's $6 for shipping anything <laughs> under a case. Yeah. Not for the last chance. You have to buy a case. I'm screw that. I'm going to get some healthy Hills, <laughs> some healthy well, Hills. You have my email now. All you got to do is email me. <laughs> well, now I know, but the healthy Hills Chardonnay, which had been in a Gary V wine club pack. Yep. I just got seven of those. Got the free shipping on the case. Yep. Um, Saved a hundred bucks on wine. It's straight from ICU. <laughs> from the ICU. And uh, it showed up um, last week, I think. It's, you know, it's great because you can actually choose some of these wines. If you get a case, it's usually free. Yeah. If you get less than a case, it's six dollars mm-hmm. for shipping. Yeah, it's amazing. It, it how, is unbelievable. How do so, they even make money? <laughs> well, that's a great how do you even make money? I mean, it comes down to between me um, and and Gary and the wine library. Brandon, who you mentioned before from the wine club videos, he's been a wine library for a long time. Um, there's very, very strong relationships built at the wine library with importers, uh, wineries direct, um, and those kind of things that allow us to be able to bring in wines uh, from wineries at a, at a reasonable price. Um Wine text to me is possibly one of the most revolutionary things that I've seen in wine sales in a long time. It's such a direct to consumer uh, situation that a lot of people in the beginning didn't want 
to be almost infiltrated into their text messages. But what we learned is the people that do sign up and are willing to are there to buy wine and, and they want to learn about wine. There's, there's really two types of people in the wine text world that are buying wine. It's the person that's looking for the things that they normally drink and to be able to buy a lot of it at once. And then you have a lot of the younger people or some of the older people as well, but mainly younger people that are just want to try new wines that instead of having to buy three bottles and pay $30 for shipping, they can buy three bottles and pay six. Unbelievable. I mean, $6. And and that's really, for me, there was a point at the wine library where I felt very robotic. and, And this is the retail side of wine. My entire career was built on talking to people and teaching people about wine and and doing classes and having conversations like this in restaurants and, and, you know, and having a really good time doing it. And I lost that at Wine Library because everything's pretty much through email over the phone. And Wine Text actually brought that back because, A, I'm communicating with people about wine all the time through social media and talking. But people through Wine Text are more willing to try new things and then talk about them. And that is what really makes Wine wine Text special is that, yes, obviously obviously things are cheaper and more affordable, but if you take someone that only drinks $25 bottle of wine and lower all their lives, and now you're able to give them a $60 bottle in their price point, and then they get to see what that difference is, you get a really kind of an eye-opening experience for some of those people. Um, And then they wonder all the things that they've been missing out on. They might not jump to that price point, but they'd be more willing to try things like Cabernet Franc and, and Chenin Blanc and, different Chardonnays from around the world and they don't get stuck in this little bubble anymore. And that's what I think the backbone of wine text really in my eyes really is what makes it special. It seems like a priori and barons are two that you lean towards a lot. And the barons of course is your, you know, it's Walla Walla. I mean, we live in Portland, Idaho, but hop skip. Yep. I mean, uh, barons was just a really strong relationship. We built really early. Um, I mean, to be honest with you, there is some aspect of a winery has to make wine every year out of their crop. And if they don't have the outlets to sell all that wine, they need a place to to drop a lot at one time. Um, And once we were able to say, hey, like we can take 500 cases of wine at one time from you, um, it allowed them to realize, okay, maybe we can work with them with their other wines as well. Um, And in reverse, it helps them too. It's putting the Barron's wines into hundreds and hundreds of people's hands, if not thousands, that would have never even known who they were. Um, A priori is a little bit of a different situation. A priori is something I personally love so much. I think Felix Melka um, is one of the most important winemakers in the history of Napa Valley. Um, And to get his hands on some of the wines that we've worked with over the past two years, not only just like justifies how good the wines that are coming out of wine texts, but also that people like him that, are so much different than all the other winemakers in California on a different level of, of quality and, and approach to winemaking um, just really solidifies how great um, of a winery they are and how happy we are to actually work with them. We really like the Chardonnay that came in with the Gary V Wine Club, but on the last chance pickup, mm-hmm. I picked up that Chardonnay and a Pinot Noir. Yep. The Wenzel Pinot Noir is really good. I don't know if we have any more of the Antica, the Antica Vineyard Chardonnay, but that wine, I mean, to me, it's almost Burgundy-esque, and it, it's a steal at what we were doing it on, on wine tax. For sure. 
So we have another property, which is the Gary V Wine Club. Now, we, I mean, there's two. The Cellar Text, which is a higher price point. Cinderella wine. And Cinderella. Cinderella is- and Wine Text are somewhat similar, aren't they? Cinderella Wine Text uses the basis of what Cinderella is, getting discount on wine. We're really trying to keep Cinderella around because there's a pretty large amount of people that are really solidified in, in Cinderella, getting just that email every day. So we're not trying to get rid of it anytime soon. Um, but a lot of the things on Cinderella are former wine tax wines. I mean, right. it's just I've it, noticed that. a lot of people just were protecting the wine tax price, but they're able to get the wine tax wine later on if they didn't get as many. Exactly. As they so all of these uh, properties, the, the links will be on the, in the show notes. Mm-hmm. So just know that. Where did the name Cinderella come from? That well, originally it was two emails a day, and they were both one was at noon and one was at midnight. midnight. And if you didn't order the noon one before midnight, it turned into a pumpkin. And if you didn't order the pumpkin one, the midnight one until noon, it turned into a pumpkin. So that's kind of how it worked out. Um, I think it was just something Gary clicked in the back of his head, to be honest. And he just is like, let's just do it. <laughs> well. <clears throat> And Gary really built a following. And so he could use that the equity in this sort of thing. Absolutely. And it's it seems to prove the model on like on every one of these, haven't it? Haven't yeah, it? for sure. I mean, the wine text thing was actually funny. Me, Brand, me and Brandon used to work in the same office together. Now I'm in my own office. But there was a point where Brandon was like, you know what? I'm... Gary had this idea and he's like, we're going to try it out. And he, and he literally took all of his best clients and put them in a group text on his phone. And he would send them a text every day with something collectible and send a similar email with a similar wine. And it was pretty mind blowing the success rate through the text outside the email, like comparative. Right. And uh, I think that's kind of where it really started like hinting in like, Hey, People are more responsive to texts, like, you know, and I joked around. I was like, yeah, probably because when I sign up for free shipping on websites, I put in an email that I've, I don't use anymore. You know what I mean? And and I think, and I think that's like funny to think about, but that's probably most people when they sign up for emails, right? It says, oh, I, you know, if I sign up for an email letter every day, I get free shipping on my next order. Well, I'm just going to put the email in. I haven't looked at in five years because I don't want to flood the email, you know, that I have open already. Um, and I think they saw that. And like I said earlier, if you're willing to get a text message next to your your family's messages, your kids' messages, your work messages uh, about a wine that you might be interested in, then you're committing to something a little bit deeper than just getting a text message. You're, you, you're basically saying, I'm here to buy wine. And what ends up happening is the success rate in the people, the percentage of people that order wine from wine text compared to the that get the text compared to the percentage in emails, it's astronomically different. And you guys don't abuse the whole text. You might get two at the yep. at the most three a yep. day. Yeah, I was August. gonna say just pretty much the wine of the week on Wednesdays is the time you're gonna get more than one normally. Right, right, exactly. I got my daughter in on it because you know uh, we're gonna be in California for her third wedding in three years. It's the same guy. Long story. <laughs> it's uh, a COVID story. It's a COVID story. Um, yeah. But, you know, they're going to have salmon and Pinot Noir. And yep. I said, Linz, 
you know, I gave her some ideas. <laughs> and I'm like, Linz, sign up for wine text. You would be amazed on some of these Pinots that come across. Yep, yep. Central Coast. And they're really good values. And, yep. you know, look into it. So she's now on wine text. So that's fantastic. Perfect. Did you at least use your, your code to get free shipping? You know, I'd be a fool not to. <laughs> I don't I don't do it very often, but I do. Now I don't I seriously I don't buy a lot yeah. from text. We just I gotta be very sure about it. I did side the sidecar. I did yep. that got two or three of those because of yep. basically what it said and the price point. I'm like, sure. I'm gonna try this. We still have a bottle downstairs. And then I did that case. <laughs> I've done four different purchases. This is killing me, man. Okay. I hear you. You're right. You're, you're making it. <sighs> okay. Aren't you glad you didn't smoke? <laughs> yes. Wine is meant to be social, enjoyed with friends and family when experiences truly matter. Add the perfect food pairing and the experience transports and transcends. The Culinary Stone is the meeting place for all of this. With their world-class wine selection, wine classes, and food classes all amongst your new best friends in the center of a retail space that boasts a bevy of culinary tools, it is a place where relationships and memories are made. And now the Culinary Stone has their very own wine club, affectionately known as the Noble Rottens. A nod, of course, to the Noble Rot. Each month, club members are treated to wines you will be proud to serve your guests or don't share and keep them all to yourself our wine club wine classes and retail wine selections are brought to you by the culinary stone certified sommelier trevor treller wine classes are every sunday at 2 p.m and fill up fast for more information on how you can experience wine like this or book your spot in one of our wine classes, visit culinarystone.com or simply call 208-277-4116. All right. This one, we actually get to talk. Ooh, that's a big pour, huh, Shelly? We get to talk a little bit about the Gary Vee Wine Club in a little bit more um, detail as I spill wine everywhere still learn how to pour by the way these are the one wine glasses from andrea robinson, robinson master oh, nice. yeah uh really love that idea she yeah, she's great. january one this year so um yeah her one wine glass for white is really great for champagne yeah yeah i did yeah I, I love she's great and her glasses are are some of the best and uh yeah, I don't drink wine outside of a. I I'm not, I haven't drank wine out of a champagne flute in. I can't even tell you how long. <laughs> I had this conversation with Tom down at Studio 107, one of our sponsors. He's like, I haven't had a sparkler or a champagne in a flute I, as long as I can remember. It's mostly in a yep. still wine glass. So white wine glass or a burgundy glass, depending on how old it is. Yeah. Well, and. I mean, take a look at these glasses, right? It yep. looks like a small burgundy, burgundy glass. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. These glasses are very much like a burgundy glass. Yep. So, anyway, we are having the 2018 Magnolia. Magnolia Cabernet. Cabernet Sauvignon from Sonoma County. For all those yep. fixer-upper fans. <laughs> <laughs> this was actually August. It was in the August, Gary yep. Vee, 
uh, wine club pack. This has got a $30 price point. Yep. By the way, $67 for the Gary Vee Wine Club. Some of us are grandfathered in at 55. <laughs> Good um, for you. I, yeah, I missed the first month. As a one bottle shot enough to pop. I'm yep. still pissed off. <laughs> um, but it is what it is. That's right. Snooze you lose. And I apparently was snoozing. But this value for this month in August is $119. Yeah, this price for sixty-seven dollars shipped to your door. Come on, seriously. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I have got more people Video signed up to the Gary Vee Wine Club. Um, even those that hate white wine. Rich, I'm talking about you. Um, this is a Cab Sauve from Sonoma. Cheer, giggles. Cheers. Yep. Can't wait to hear about this one. So this is uh, made by Crutz family, which they have kind of two different wine styles that they make. They make a, uh, a much more structured, big, fat tobacco, full-bodied style red wines and white wines. Um, and they make a way more kind of lighter approachable wine. This is stuck right in between. This, okay. is, this is kind of their, their in-between wine. Um, this is a hundred percent cab Sonoma County sourced from all their Sonoma, uh, vineyards that they source from, uh, they age it in Oak. They definitely make it a big, rich style cab. Um, it's 2018. So I don't know if you guys follow vintage reports like I do, but 2017 was like basically cold and wet green, lighter style wines. This brings back California with their roots, 14, seven alcohol, big jammy fruits, big, rich Oak. Um, this is as classic as Sonoma County Cabernet gets, in my opinion. 147, that's uh, starting to encroach on uh, Washington, Washington yeah. alcohol levels. Yeah, yeah, almost, almost. They're getting better up there, in my opinion, though. They're coming down a little bit. I yeah, they, so. I mean, that's six, six or seven years ago. Six or seven years ago, I'd, I'd pull a bottle of Syrah from the Walla Walla, and it'd be like 15, six. Oh, like, what the heck is going on? I know. You guys are almost in your own at that point. <laughs> You're right about that, though. The 15s. Yeah. I'm looking at the uh, alcohol for the Cab Franc. Cab Franc, I bet you it's around 13. 13 I wouldn't even. Five. Just found it. 13.5. Yep. So, so um, the Riesling is even lower. The Riesling is probably around 10. Nine. Fantastic. Oh, awesome. Spot. <laughs> we like some of the, like the Albarinos and some of these. Yep. Oh, the best. Yeah. That are like eight. Yeah. Half. Love Just that. Slam them down. Love that. <laughs> so I'm getting fruit in this. What are you getting, Shelly? Cherries. Cherry sticks. Cherry sticks. Yeah. It's funny how the, the oak richness, though, the big, rich oak, the toasted oak. What are those candies? They're like chocolate-covered cherries that you get at Christmas. They come in the yellow box. The you know what I'm talking about? Like, oh, the cherry cordials? Yeah. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. It's like the maraschino cherries and chocolate, and it comes in a big yellow. That's literally what I think about every time I taste this one. Yeah, Shelly hates those. Yeah, me too. I, <laughs> I hate them too. <laughs> my, I love so them. We get them. It's so my, my girlfriend loves them too. So we get like eight boxes for Christmas, and they sit until August because I don't go near them. You know, <laughs> it's so funny. But it's to me, the, the oak richness in the wine, that toastiness, gives off this really chocolatey feel. And then the grapes themselves give off a big, heavy cherry taste. And I kind of, in my mind, I just, somehow I just think of those things. So we did a last second video watch 
which is again, another great thing about the Gary V wine club. (laughs) You have a six or seven to 11 or 12 minute video with Gary and Sam tasting through the wines, by the way, September four wines are coming. So we saw you guys are talking and about this magnolia. <laughs> Gary goes, this is like grape runs meets big league chew, which yeah. is that's a Garyism all over the place. Um, when you, when you, I've never had runs though. He must've eaten a lot of candy when he was little. Yeah. Dent- he, Dent- I'm sure dentists loved him. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't really know. <laughs> It's but, so it's, yeah, I'm not a big Gary Gary wording kind of guy. I'm more classic chocolate and cherries for me. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But um, in in terms of how he does describe wine, it brings the pretense down, which yeah. that's what I appreciate. Sure, um, is the every man's terms right? Yeah. Um, that in and of itself, I really appreciate. Because it's one of the, yeah, it's one of the reasons why me and Gary get along so well too. I mean, I I refused even when I worked in restaurants. I was very not proper. The only yeah. reason I didn't go for my level three or level four sommelier exams is because you you really have to lock it down personally. You have to lock it down your personality, and you have to lock down things that I like to express. And I refuse to do it. And right. even when I work at wine library, I mean, this is what I wore to work today. I wore a disc golf polo, a disc golf hat, a pair of jeans and Under Armour sneakers. Yeah. And that's how I sit in my meetings. And that's how I, and that's how I work. And I will never change that about myself. Exactly. And we are in a world now where be you, yeah, you, we have a sign in the office that she made do be you yep. be yourself. There's only one you that's sure. authentic. And by the way, the more, obnoxious you are about wine and snootiness the more you're pushing people away i agree the ability to taste phenomenal wines and to pair yep. with food and have a come to jesus moment yep. with that sort of uh experience right yeah <laughs> I, mean, I actually like i don't do like you guys i've been following you guys on twitter for a while i think you guys were one of the first people that followed me um, when I started working at wine library and when I started getting involved in the club and other things. Yeah. And, um, I've seen like the things you guys do and everything. And, and I get calls to do podcasts and things from a lot of people and the snobby ones, I don't even look at, No, you know, like it's funny. And I always, and the, one of the fun stories that I, I tell all the time is how many times I have meetings with people and they don't believe that I am who I am. <laughs> when I come down from my office in jeans, a sneaker, and a polo, and they're expecting a suited-up meeting right. about buying hundreds of cases of wines, it's a very different situation for them that they're not used to. And and I can tell when I'm with an importer and then when I'm with the winemaker is because the importer looks at me like I have three heads. The winemaker is happy to take his tie off. You know what I mean? And, it, and I see that. Because like they're the guy, like they're wearing a suit and they're not happy in their suit. You know what I mean? They might, yeah, they they want their hands in the grapes. And those are the relationships I get my best, my deals out of and and the things that I make the most. Um, Even when I worked in New York City as a sommelier in in Laura's wine bar, people wore white shirts and things. And I wore a flannel to work because that's who I was. And people knew me for that. And I refused to be anybody else but myself. 
Now, I let my hair grow and my beard grow a little bit crazier than normal. But <laughs> so have I. Yeah, yeah. But I mean that that's that's just because I can now. I'm in a position that I can do that. And it, it's kind of fun for me to be in the wine world that way. Um, in New Jersey, the wine, the wine wineries in New Jersey hate me because I do take that snobbiness to a level, but that's because New Jersey wine sucks. So <laughs> it comes that it comes down to that world of make better wine and you won't get put in that situation. You know, you know yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's a, it's a, it's an evolution though, isn't it? Um, oh. You know, I mean, what was it? Temecula used to not make great wine. They're yeah. coming around. Snake river. Didn't you say you were up your oh. Northwest snake, snake river, river makes amazing. Wine. Really coming around. I'm, people don't even know the Cabernet Francs and Riesling from snake river are some of the best in the country. I would even put them right behind the Finger Lakes when it comes to Rieslings. Um, as my second favorite. Like, they're Idaho so good. grown great. Yep. yep. Southern Idaho. Uh, we yep. I, So, if you can, take a look at uh, Clearwater Canyon. Yep. yep. Koenig. Um, yep. Fantastic wines from Koenig. Well, we have uh, – there. there's a number of them, and they're growing. There's more and more. They're not yep. sourcing wines from across the border anymore in Washington. That's right. <laughs> some are some, but they're growing their grapes in southern Idaho, and they're making yep. pretty good juice. Yeah, I mean, I like I said, it was funny. Snake River was brought to me in my early years of tasting wine with John Ross in a restaurant. This winemaker came in. We tasted them. We're like, oh, they're good, whatever. I haven't thought about them for like nine years, and someone brought some into the wine library not too long ago. I looked at the guy. I was like, man, this stuff is like sneaky good and yeah. sneaky affordable. The yeah. problem with New Jersey is the the price point in my eyes. That's uh, what kills me. And the, the lack of commitment to making good wine. That there, We live right next to New York City. The Napa Valley cab collector in New York City thinks he can buy land in New Jersey and just make Cabernet. And you can't do that. And that's what New Jersey's filled of right now. Rivara was the other one. Yeah, Rivara. Okay. I haven't had them, but I'll look them up. And it's a Very different cool. AVA, too. Um, it's a beautiful area, beautiful winery. Yeah. Uh, a number of wineries that got together and created an AVA. And we'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> I completely forgot what it is. because yeah. I'll, it's, Blame it on COVID. That's right. I'm, That's right. COVID dementia. So before we get off of the Gary V. Wine Club, yep. I want to just mention the last – how about every month this year, what the values of the wine have been, list prices. So just we understand yeah, that. This fair. month coming in September, $136 for your $67 buy-in to your door. August was $119. July was $111. June was $117. May was $127. April, these are approximate because they used to put the prices on the on the tasting sheet. And then they stopped and I actually asked Sam one month and he went and actually gave me the prices. I'm like, I'm not going to do that. So I just go and look, April was 105, March was 102, February 107, January 122. There have been some months that have been 140 some dollars. The value is off the charts. You're getting decent wine. Are you going to like each and every bottle? Probably not because of your taste, right? But you will start knowing and finding out about exactly from different regions and then you get to watch the video and taste through with them which is one of the reasons we try to post what we're going to drink on wednesdays so if people can like today would be a little bit more difficult um 
but last week was Grenache Day, and yep. they can buy a Grenache and taste through with us. Uh, podcasts are nice because it really doesn't matter when you listen to it, you can still right. taste through it. So, so when you're purchasing wines for Wine Library, what are you looking for? So unfortunately, you happen to do the podcast with the guy that has to overlook everything. So <laughs> uh, in turn, uh, I, I need to rep- – something like – the wine library people come to the store and they're like holy cow like this place is unbelievable so many selections and all those things but you have to realize like i have to please people that don't come to the store too i need to have chinons i need to have sanceres i need to represent every single region properly which is very rare you go into your regular wine shop and you go to the german wine section they have 10 wines might have two reds bunch of rieslings do they even have sylvaner probably not um, and those kind of things. You come to Wine Library, I have 40 German wines that aren't even in the wine cellar wines. I'm talking about your everyday go-to wines, um, Pinot Noirs, you know, Blau Frankish, all those things. I need to represent everything because if that one guy in, let's say, Idaho or Washington that's looking for Blau Frankish and wants a good one and other places don't have them, then he can come to winelibrary.com and get them. So I have to taste everything. I have to understand everything. I don't have to like everything. That's the other part. Right. I have to understand what makes a $40 Cabernet from Napa good and great. I can taste it and say, this is a great Napa Valley Cabernet, but I might not buy that for myself. And and that is kind of the up and down. And it's something I get ragged on a lot at the wine library because I talk so much smack about certain wines. But it's, a, it's what makes me good at my job and, and just understanding all those things. So I'm tasting hundreds of wines a week and just making sure people get the good stuff. And obviously, we carry some of the bad stuff, too. But that's just because of branding from the monsters of marketing. And uh, you have to give people what they want at that point. Some people, you just can't change their mind, which is okay. How long have you guys been in your new store? Cause they- uh, I think that – I mean, I've only been there six years. I think it's been almost – it's 2021, 20 years almost now. They've oh, been in. Since they built since they built a big one. Yeah, yeah, it's been that long. Wow. Yeah, I think it. I think it was uh, maybe a little bit less, maybe like 16 years, 17 years. But I know it's been it's been a while. I mean, I was probably a. I'm going to sound young, but I think I was like a senior in high school, or maybe one year after that. Um, like I said, I was friends with AJ from a young age, so. If we wanted to get the basketball tickets from Gary and the family, we had to go to Wine Library to get them. So, <laughs> so you guys are huge uh, New Jersey fans, not the Knicks, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I'm I'm more of a, a Knicks fan. Yeah, I guess, I guess it's I Brooklyn know. now, right? Not even New Jersey. Yeah, they're in Brooklyn. We yeah. we have two. We only have two professional sports teams, and they both take the New York team name, so it don't matter. <laughs> well, some of but us we get all the tax benefits, so right. screw them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some of us are still Sonic fans. Yeah, Sonic's fans. You're, you're a Seahawks fan. Oh, yeah. and you get and you get the and you, and you get the Kraken. You might as well be a Kraken fan now oh, too. Sure. That'll be fun. Hopefully, they have a season like Las Vegas Knights had in their first year. That's right. That'll be fun. We actually win the Stanley Cup, yeah, not yeah. you know, sister yeah. and lose the championship series. <laughs> um, it's just fun to getting a new new team locally to you know that's that's pretty cool it is cool still um not a big fan of david stern in the nba 
for the all the back dealings they did to get Seattle out of out of sure. Sonics out of Seattle. That was a bunch of BS, Shelly. I agree. Yes. I agree. I don't like David. I, I mean, I'm a Knicks fan. I, I basketball is not my favorite sport anyway. I'm a Mets yeah. Cowboys fan, and that's for my, my that's yeah. yeah. <laughs> the Knicks have uh not not really played very well in recent years, have they? Until last year. Did they make the playoffs last year? Yep. They did. For the first time in a long time. Uh, but, they win the series, the first series, or they lose the first series? Uh, I think they lost their first series, yeah. But either way, making it is huge for them. Yeah. I, I can walk five minutes to a train station that drops me off at MSG. So. Oh, nice. nice. So if my girlfriend, like, a night like tonight, if it was basketball season and, and COVID wasn't, like, a major thing, I could buy a $20 ticket and be there in my pajamas in the next hour. So I tend to do that sometimes. <laughs> when we were in uh, Philadelphia in 2019 yep. for the 100th anniversary of the Thanksgiving Day Parade in Philadelphia. That's so cool. A diva in the parade. Are uh, you from Philadelphia? No. No. Oh. no. They asked the divas to come perform I'm in, in a, the parade. I'm in oh. a group of women of a certain age. Yeah. I'm and, in Philadelphia a lot. So, uh-huh. yeah, that's so cool. We were only there a couple of times, but we were in the parade. It was very fun. And then we went to New York, and I actually and we looked went at to New Jersey. Well, to see we Claudia. we were in New Jersey. I'm like, how far is it to Wine Library? And it ended up it wasn't going to work for us to go there. But at some point, we will actually physically visit Wine Library and get wild. Time in the area. Yeah, for sure. I guess what New Jersey is actually beautiful, and people don't know that. Oh well, I know it now. <laughs> Did the hurricane hit you? Uh, yeah, we actually got beat up pretty bad. Um, the wow. hurricane—I mean, we got a lot of rain. We flooded out, but I mean, in my hometown, they got a—they got beat up pretty bad. Um, and then a little bit north of me, a whole tornado ripped through North Jersey and, and tore up an entire town. I live in an old, old brick apartment that held up, which was nice. <laughs> well, you having been in the construction industry, even though you didn't necessarily sure. roof, um, you realize there are some areas that are just the roofs are put on for certain specs. That's right. Not expecting a tornado to rip through. I mean, know? we haven't. We, we joke about it all the time. When I was a kid, I felt like there was snow here all the time. We haven't gotten like a winter where there was snow on the ground all winter long in a very long time. Interesting. And but we've been getting tornadoes in like the last six years wow. that we've never gotten. When I like, if you told me there was a tornado coming through New Jersey in 2011, I'd tell you you're nuts. Wow. And now we're getting them almost every other. So- we're expecting a bad storm tonight. I guarantee you, I get a tornado war- warning on my phone. Wow. hundred percent. It's going to happen. Yeah. So as a quick side note, this cap Franc is even opening up more. I mean, I just been, I have this much Magnolia. <laughs> this much Riesling. That should be a few. I have this much Cabernet Franc. Oh my God. <laughs> so almost full bottles of the first two. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm pointed it's, halfway yeah, down the bottle. Of the cap at least Franc. halfway down. Yeah. Maybe two thirds. So yeah, we've maybe. just been talking sports. Uh, yep. We are in episode 75. Sam, you're a sports fan. What number 75 jersey comes to mind to you? 
Well, I was telling you, I, I, I might have to Google it on my phone, but number 75 on the Cowboys is one of the craziest names in the history of Cowboys. It's like Okadwagu Wata or something. It's something insane. That's the first thing that came, came comes to mind in my head. Um, and then, I mean, you mentioned Mean Joe Green. That, that has to be the number one, right? That has to be the most famous 75 in the history of football. It, it is, but you've got Deacon Jones right there with him. That's right. You're right. Deacon Jones as well, but I wouldn't have thought of thought of him over someone like Mean Joe Green. And then, of course, you've got the number one, number seventy-five. Shelly, you want to explain that? Matt Khalil mm. of the Panthers, or was he? Yeah, well, he was mostly with Minnesota, but mostly he did Minnesota. play with Carolina. Minnesota, yeah. yeah. So his brother Ryan went to school with my daughter. Oh, that's amazing! Yeah, that's so cool. And Ryan Khalil did pretty well too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ryan, Ryan at one point was the he got a contract that was the highest paid contract for a center in the history of the NFL. That's unbelievable. Yeah, like seven years, I think it was seven years, 49 mil. And uh yeah. I knew and, Nick Mangold got a pretty big contract for the Jets that one year, but I don't think it was that big. Well, and um I'm pretty sure that there are higher salaries now as they keep going up. But yeah, Matt Khalil. That's um, so played with his brother Ryan uh, for a year at Carolina. Yeah. They're on the same line, which yeah. has been pretty cool. Yeah. You know, that is pretty cool. I mean, it's the NFL is a crazy sport, and just remember, linemen last the longest. So to be a highest paid lineman in the NFL is very difficult compared to other positions. You really think linemen last the longest? Yeah, they're needed. I've read. I I think so, definitely. Yeah. There's yeah. like there's, no, but they have to I'm like sure. they actually have contact contact with on every play. Yeah, every it's play. not as, it's not as violent though as something no, like, like running back hitting a hitting a linebacker. Right. <laughs> that's well, trying to take that's that the one they're worried about. That's the one they're worried about. So how is you a Jets fan? No, I'm a Cowboys fan. Oh, that's you already said that. So you like the Jets? I do. Here's the thing: AFC, AFC. I am a Jets fan. My whole family are Jets fans. Both my mom and my dad's side are Jets fans. The only Giants fan is my brother on all of my entire family. And I think he did it just to smite my family, the same reason why I'm a Cowboys fan. That makes sense. uh, But I live in Morristown, New Jersey, which is I can literally, if I have to my car right now, I'm about a half a mile from the Jets facility. So the town I live in, the town I live in is actually – the hometown of the Jets where they all live, they all stay, and they all go out to eat, go out to bars. Uh, so I run into those guys all the time. Plus, they're all Gary fans. So they all know me. I've helped them on wine trips. You know, Josh Allen, Sam Darnold, all those guys go on wine trips to Napa all the time. I hook them up with wineries and stuff. So. And from USC. Sam Darnold. And you had – Nicest people I ever worked with, to be honest. He's amazing. Sanchez, right? He's from USC. Yep. Oh yeah. Yep. All yeah. the U.S. eventually pay for play for the Jets. The ones yeah. that you know aren't very good. Yeah. <laughs> they were. They had. I mean, the last time the Jets were in the AFC Championship, Mark Sanchez was right behind him. He was oh, there. And you I know what I mean? Didn't they win that game? No, they didn't go to the Super Bowl. They lost that. No, game. no, 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 no. But they did win a playoff game. Yes, they I made. Mean, they, they made it to the AFC Championship. They were one game away from the Super Bowl. Yeah. Man. Yeah. So I am wearing a Seahawk shirt today because it's Blue Friday. 
Yeah. Every Friday, you wear a, a Seahawk shirt. Uh, Pete Carroll. Repeat Carroll, hopefully, this year. We'll see. I love him. He's uh, the best. So you are a beer fan, like right up there with wine, right? Yeah. Jack, you might even like beer just a little bit more than wine. I just think I taste wine so much at work that I tend to drink more beer at home and care what I'm drinking at home. Fair enough. What was your gateway wine that really bridged you into, wow, this is great? Um, <clears throat> I'm not sure if I had a gateway wine. What I, what I think we really bridged it was my working environment. I was working with one of the best wine lists in New Jersey. And when you have one of the best wine lists in New Jersey, you have to have one of the best beer lists in New Jersey. And I think I was just tasting things side by side. There's a certain point when you taste so much wine and so many things all the time that your brain no longer thinks of good wine, bad wine. It it almost thinks of just, is this complex or is this not complex? Is this taste good or not taste good? So I think the bridging just came in with uh, just liking complexities and confusing my mind. I like great wines that confuse me. So I like great beers that confuse me. Um, I don't think necessarily that there was a bridge of the two. I just think I understood a little bit more of how to taste things and how to understand things through your palate that ended up um, kind of bringing me around to liking both worlds just as much. I, mean, I have a wine cooler behind me. I don't know yeah. if you can see it. Yeah. That whole wine cooler is aging beer. There's no wine in there at all. Just yeah. So there's a, so I have a, a passion for both. I have my favorite local breweries. I travel for breweries. I, I play disc golf all over the country. Um, it's a lot easier to go visit a brewery than it is to visit a winery when you're, when you're committed to something like a disc golf tournament. So, uh, and my girlfriend loves going to breweries more than wineries. I think she's a little bit more, she's even more country laid back than I am. So the whole winery thing is cool and fun for her, but she'd rather sit down at a, at a brewery and drink a good beer and watch a football game. That's just how it, how it ends up working out. What I heard Sam say is he likes great wine and he cannot lie it's true i do <laughs> <laughs> um last question psalm question sure <clears throat> do you take a sip and then take a bite of food or do you take a bite of food and then a sip hmm i think uh i think if it's got to go wine, food, wine. I think you end with wine, but you have to go wine first. Yeah. That's why I said there are three answers. I, wine, food, wine. There's a, I, I don't think you go food, wine, food. No. I, no. People who go food, wine, food need to get checked out by something. They got to go to a doctor. Really I don't know if you do that. Right ahead. No. But I think wine primes it. Food gets you to the next level. And then another good sip of wine to latch onto that food is what you need. So, so when I uh, ran a ballet company in Seattle, one of the restaurants was the Metropolitan Grill and a pretty high end restaurant. And I asked the the, the wine guy there that same question. He said, yes. So, (laughs) (laughs) yes, I love that. (laughs) That sounds about right. That's something that's something a sommelier would say. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Well, we're about to wrap up, but a couple, you know, I did not put a wine word of the week. Oh, well. Oh, well. We we'll get one next time. week. Yeah. <laughs> um, wines we enjoy this week. Shelly, you want to really quick go through those? Hardly any. <laughs> Hardly any. 
Six cents. Was that the rosé? No, that was one we just popped last night. Oh, okay. Six yeah. cents. And then we had CMS from Hedges, Healthy Hill Chardonnay. You know about that. Yeah. I know uh, a lot about that one. The yes, other sense was Sense Rosé, which is like Weight Watcher approved rosé. <laughs> low alcohol. Like a low calorie one? It's low calorie, low alcohol. So yeah, it actually says Weight Watchers approved. If you saw my whole body, I obviously don't drink many of those. <laughs> Sometimes so, I just like them though because of the low alcohol, and you could sort yeah, yeah. Of continue doing what you're doing rather than. Sure. I think I'll just. It's, a, it's like the light beer of wine. Yeah. And what we we've, we've mentioned before <laughs> the, light, yeah. the sense rosé, which is a pretty good rosé in our opinion. We got that at grocery outlet for four bucks a bottle. It's great. On Vivino, it says it's twenty eight dollar bottle wine. I don't know if that's true or not true, but. Uh, I never buy more than one bottle of wine at grocery outlet. I'll buy one, grab it, taste it. If it's any good, we'll go back and get some more. Sure. There's some real dogs. But yes. when you're drinking as much wine as we do, and maybe not as oh, much lately, um, you, you're you trying to get some good value wines as well. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, you you got to kind of do both, you know? So anyway, that is that. Next week, uh, who knows? Shelly, we may actually be bringing an episode from california could it be we don't know (laughs) we don't know from yosemite we really don't know um so uh international pinotage day is october 9th and um don't ask me about that (laughs) we don't know the grape uh we are gonna do a little uh uh digging and see if we can find a prokopak i think it's from slovenia uh, anyway, that's the 14th of October. We are it's trying from Prussia. It, I don't know. With <laughs> love. I don't there know. There's no Prussia anymore. <laughs> no. So there's probably no, pro- whatever that wine is. Yeah. Um, Shelly, do you have anything else? No. We have to thank our sponsors. Yeah. You want me to do it? Go ahead. Okay. A big mm-hmm. thanks to our sponsors, the Culinary Stone and Elsom Cellars. Uh, oh, we cool. are very thankful to both of those. Um, Elson Cellars is actually a little uh, uh, urban winery in Seattle that is putting out some really good juice. Yeah. Um, they're, they're, I like the urban wine scene. It's super underrated. Seemingly up and coming, right? Yeah, and New, York is, New York's pretty big on it right now. Is that it's right? In, uh, in Brooklyn, there's actually a rooftop vineyard in Brooklyn. Wow. Now. wow. And, they're making, and they're making cool wines out of it. I don't know if I believe in the whole process of doing hydroponic vineyards like that but i've tasted the wines that are not bad and (laughs) and you know you hope their drainage is good or you're gonna go right through that's right uh in my um feeble opinion (laughs) sam do you have anything you want to add before we put a bow on this episode no just come enjoy wine if anyone needs anything i'm really easy to get a hold of through my social media um, I'm pretty responsive when I'm not in chaos, but uh, yeah, just come hang out. I mean, I, I do a lot of uh, Twitch golfing and uh, talk about wine and beer on there. And just, I like to hang out and just talk all everything beverage. And that's kind of my world. Your Twitter handle has Samoan in there somewhere, right? No, it's just Sam Mo Man. There we go. One thing so. Some, someone that's called cool. me Samo. Sam, someone called me Samo, a teacher. Actually, it might even go back to someone, uh, one of my eighth grade friends, Liz, who called me Samo in eighth grade. And I kind of just 
I've held on to it on all my handles, all my screen, everything has been that way. Uh, Sam O'Man since I was 13 years old and I refuse to change it. So nice. Uh, how else can people get a hold of you? Uh, obviously my email is, is good. I don't, I, even though I don't, I don't mind giving my email out to people. I'm already in chaos to begin with. Okay. So S Doyle at winelibrary.com. And like I said, I keep all my direct messages open on all my social media. Um, and I go live on Twitch and, uh, I'm, I'm a ranked PGA golfer in video games in the world. So I, I tend to, uh, drink good beer, good wine and golf on the internet for hours at a time. So Ooh, that just, uh, that just rhymed. Yeah. I did yeah. oh, accident. Wasn't by choice, trust me. And you're a poet, wouldn't you know it? So there you are. <laughs> thank you so much for agreeing. Oh, thank you. It was a pleasure. I'm glad you guys enjoyed the wines. Yes. Oh, last question. Um, we're having salmon tonight. Would this cab franc go with that? A hundred percent. I think the acidity level is high enough. I think the flavors are intense enough. Salmon's an intense fish and it's a fatty fish, and you need those kind of things to go with it. Um, but don't don't sleep on the Riesling either, though. Interesting. Maybe we'll have to try both. We typically go Pinot Noir, like yep. 100% with salmon. It's one of our favorite go-to pairings. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But we happen to have a couple of open bottles of wine. Yeah. And I'm thinking that I think the Cab, Cab Sauv might be a little too overpowering. It's open, though. Drink it afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well. <laughs> so now we're finished. Thank Cabernet you. and popcorn. Cabernet and popcorn. <laughs> Doesn't <laughs> sound terrible. Completely <laughs> off uh, off the road now. So <laughs> it's me that does that. And Shelly's like, no, I want to keep talking. Uh, Sam, thank you very much. You're welcome. Uh, and thank you for everyone listening. Remember, with just a little bit of knowledge, wine becomes a lot less overwhelming. Thank you for listening. Sam, thank you for being here with us. And we will see you all next week. Have an awesome weekend. Enjoy your wine. We have news for you. Wine needn't be intimidating or boring either. Let sommelier and wine buyer for the Culinary Stone, Trevor Treller, help you in selecting wines that deliver the best quality to price ratio. The wine regions of the world and our own country can offer up these glorious bang-for-the-buck items and some special occasion premium bottles, too. Let us guide you in your search for that perfect bottle of wine. If you have any questions, visit culinarystone.com or simply call 208-277-4116. Quality grapes, good times, and great wine are meant to be shared. Since 2006, Elsom Cellars has been producing 100% local Washington wine from Washington's top vineyards. Our wines offer distinctive flavors born of a singular desire to create the quintessential gesture of hospitality. Owner Jody Elsom is a pioneer in the Seattle urban wine movement and, as a family-owned winery, Jody's kids have made a big impact on how we do things here. They not only have wines named after them, they also help name our wine club, which we now refer to as Corks on the Loose. For more information on Elsom Cellars, please visit elsomcellars.com or simply call 425-298-3082. Thank you for spending part of your day to wind down with Shelly and Phil. 
Remember, you can listen to any episode of the Wine Time Fridays podcast by visiting winetimefridays.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And join us on our Wine Time Fridays Facebook page, Instagram, or on Twitter, which is at Vintage Tweets, for daily conversation. Until next week, here's our toast to you. To health, wealth, abundance, gratitude, peace on earth, and of course, romance. <laughs>